0: We're going to be in Luke 9 tonight. That was, uh, I think we finished chapter 10, if you're going according to the reading schedule. We finished chapter 10. And as I've said, I am not preaching through the whole book. Um, I did that a couple years ago. And I don't know if I could do it that much better than I did it a couple years ago. So I'm going to let those teachings uh, speak for themselves. And hopefully you guys are having a, a, a bit of success being able to work through those. Um, We still have several weeks to go, so you can kind of keep them in the queue as we go. Luke 9 is an important chapter in the book. So if you want to open up there, uh, it marks the end of the ministry in Galilee and the beginning of the journey to Jerusalem. And it begins with Jesus sending out the 12. He hasn't done that yet. He has not commissioned them to do anything. He has called them, and he has begun to gather them. In Luke 6, it says he was up all night praying, and then he came down and he chose 12. Before that, in chapter 5, it says that he went to uh, the fishermen. It's a great story. And he gets in their boat, and he says, Ah, let down the nets. And they say, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. And he says... I imagine with a little wink, let him down again. And Peter says, all right, well, if you say so, they let down the nets and the nets are breaking and the other boats have to come help them. And what's remarkable about this story is that they get to shore and then it says they left everything and followed him. They left the huge haul of fish to follow Jesus. And uh, so that's what we know of the disciples to this point, a little later on in chapter five. Jesus calls Levi, who most people think is Matthew, the, the guy who wrote Matthew, the tax collector. And he comes to follow Jesus, says he left everything to follow Jesus. So here in chapter 9, it says he called the 12 together. In chapter 10, he's going to call, uh, he's going to send out 72. But here in chapter 9, he sends the 12 out and it says he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he set them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Right? And that's really, a, that's really uh, a practical outworking of authority and power. The authority... In the authority of God, you proclaim the kingdom. And in the power of God, you heal. Right? The proclamation of the, of, of the kingdom of God is, is backed by the authority... But the healing is backed by the power of God. And I, I, as I always say, the, the power or the authority is the badge, and the power is the gun. If we're to use the, the uh, law enforcement analogy. But he also says this take nothing for your journey. Well, they've already left everything, they left a substantial amount. Then he sends them out, and he says it again or they don't leave everything. He says, make sure you take nothing for the journey. He strips them, before he sends them out to do his work, he strips them of as much of their own provision and comfort as he can. Underlining for us how totally dependent upon him Jesus expects his disciples to be. He expects his disciples to leave everything, and chapter 9 certainly makes this clear, to let the dead bury the dead, to not even go back to say goodbye to your family, as Elisha did when he went to follow Elijah. He says, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, I'm calling for a greater act of, of, of sacrifice than even Elisha showed in following Elijah. But here he is wrapping up the ministry in Galilee. Chapters 4 through 9 really show us who Jesus is and what is the nature of his mission. Namely, to bring salvation. What does that look like? What does that mean to bring salvation? If that's the primary purpose of God, if the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost, what does that look like? Chapters 4 through 9 give us a wonderful picture. Of what the mission of God looks like. It looks like driving out demons. It looks like healing the sick. It looks like confronting those who would like everyone to think that they have it all together. And saying, no, you do not in fact have it all together. And in fact, you have much to learn. You don't even know how much you have to learn. The proud are being brought low. The humble are being lifted up. Just the way that Mary sang it back in chapter 2. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. This is the nature of Jesus' mission. 4 through 9 also show us who Jesus is. Herod doesn't know who he is. John the Baptist even starts to wonder who, who this guy really is. Are you really the one? The Pharisees don't know what to do with him. His hometown churchgoers don't really know what to do with him. Isn't this Joseph's son? What is he talking about? But here in chapter 9, we get the definitive statement on who Jesus is from the mouth of Peter. He says, you are the Christ. And so, 4 through 9, come to a close. And we, we turn then, at the end of chapter 9, Jesus turns his face as he sets his face toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem. But the other thing that he was doing, in addition to showing what his his mission is all about, and letting people kind of wrestle and grapple with who he really is, the other thing that he does, sort of in the background, but now it comes to the foreground in chapters 9 and following, is he's gathering disciples. He's gathering those who want to leave everything, so that they can come and join him and be with him, but also so that he can send them out to begin to do that very same works that he himself is doing. This is part of his purpose, and and one of the things that Luke really underlines for us. And so in chapter 9, the theme of discipleship comes to the forefront. Just as Jesus is getting ready to depart and set his face and end up in Jerusalem, he's also saying, and if you're going to come after me and be my disciple... You got to know a few things. Number one, you got to know what we're going to do in Jerusalem. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, not to get up on the throne, but to be, uh, but to, to, but to suffer at the hands of sinful men, to be handed over to the Gentiles, to be flogged and mocked and spat upon. And so the journey is a long one, and it's the longest section in Luke. And, and over the course of the journey. Jesus is training his disciples. This is a time of intense training for his disciples. And so he gathers them together. And so here at the beginning of chapter 9, he's, he begins his training. Right? He has called them to himself. He has showed them what he's all about. And now he says, okay, now I want you to do this. And this is what discipleship is all about, isn't it? Come be with Jesus. Learn from him. Not to eternally be some sort of Sidekick, but to then begin to yourself engage in the very works that Jesus wants to do. The disciples of Jesus, Jesus' purpose on earth was to gather and release an ever-multiplying family of those who would hear the word of God and do it. And that's what the church is. Those who have left everything to come and learn from Jesus, who are then going out and doing his works and multiplying to greater and greater degrees. That's why chapter 9 begins with 12. Chapter 10 begins with 72. Jesus is multiplying his effect. But this first lesson is very significant. He sends them out to preach in authority and to heal with power. And he says, take nothing. A reminder that that Jesus needs nothing that we bring to him. Jesus' work does not require anything that we bring through the door. And some of us need to hear that. That we leave everything in the foyer out there, and we come, and Jesus then works with what's left. And he provides and he gives what we need for the work. After their first mission, apparently it was successful, because they came and, and told Jesus everything they did. Verse 10, on the return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them apart. He took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So they go on something of a retreat, right? They just did a big ministry push. Now it's time for a retreat. Maybe to to rest, to pray. But those pesky crowds, (laughs) they learned it. And they followed him. And Jesus doesn't miss a lick. He welcomed them. And what did he do? The mission. He continued right on with the work. He spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who needed healing. (laughs) Jesus is still operating in ministry mode. He doesn't turn on or off. Some of us have a switch. We're either in get stuff done mode or we're in ministry mode. Jesus has no such switch, and I think Jesus wants to work that switch out of his disciples. The day began to wear away, and the 12 came to and said to him, "Send the crowd away." Jesus had welcomed the crowd and continued the ministry of preaching the kingdom and healing those who had disease. And once the day starts to wane, his disciples say, Send the crowd away. They don't understand Jesus. They don't understand the mission. Jesus, send them away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For here we are in a desolate place. And now, Jesus, this is Jesus being Jesus in, in one of the best ways. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. Jesus, you told us to not bring any food or money. We don't have food or money. And now you want us to give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Remember, remember that was what you told us to do. You wouldn't let us bring food. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, which we don't have money because you told us not to bring that either. And these are the only two options that the the disciples can see. Well, we don't have enough food. And we don't have enough money. What are we going to do? And this is where Jesus says, finally, yes. We can teach. You can learn a lesson here. For there were about 5,000 men... And lots of people like to make a, a big deal about the fact that it was 5,000 men, which means that if there were women and then children, it's like more like twelve or 13,000. Or maybe they were all like us, and so it was like 25,000 with kids. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, this is beautiful, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Over them. Then he broke the loaves. And this is an important detail he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowds. Jesus didn't go and deliver the food. Jesus, is, Jesus wants his disciples to engage in the work. And so he takes it away. He does the miracle. But then he says, okay, now you guys deliver this. This heavenly provided food. You go and deliver it to the crowd. And when they all ate, and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. There was nothing, there was no lack. And what was left over was picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces. Now I'm not a big numbers guy in scripture. I mean, some people really get into the numbers and the symbology of the numbers. But I think here we can go out on a limb and say that that number 12 is significant, right? Jesus sent the 12 out to preach. He called the 12, he told the 12, he took the 12, and now there's 12 baskets of broken pieces. The solutions that the disciples thought of were both wrong. And this is so typical. We need to either feed them with food that we have or go and buy food. But Jesus knows that he has access to what the crowds need. And he has total faith and total trust in God to give him that. Just a couple chapters later, the disciples are going to ask Jesus how to pray. And he's going to teach them how to pray. And you know the parable that comes after that. For which of you having a friend who comes to you at midnight. Who needs bread. And you don't have any bread in the house. You go ask your friend who has bread. And if you're persistent. He's going to give you what you need. To set before the friend. Now how significant was that lesson. For the disciples having experienced this with Jesus. The feeding of the five thousand. Oh yeah, we didn't have any bread. And Jesus prayed over the bread and then it was enough. He got bread from heaven. And everybody ate was satisfied. And there were 12 baskets of broken pieces left over. Jesus here goes and asks his friend for bread. And guess what? He receives bread. Enough for 5,000 people. Or 25,000 people. So there's 12 baskets of broken pieces left over. So each of the disciples went home with a basket of bread, which was way more than they came in with. But it was also, it was broken pieces. And I love that. I think that's a beautiful picture. After God has miraculously provided and his disciples have distributed food to anyone who has need, they're left with something, but it's a basket of broken pieces. I just think that that picture was sticking in my mind all week. Baskets of broken pieces. And I think that's really what God wants to make us into. Baskets of broken pieces. He wants to pour us out. He wants to fill us with what we need. He wants us to go out and love lavishly, not send away anyone that needs anything from us. And not to rely on our own strength, not to rely on our own provisions. But to just receive the miraculous provisions of God to love in the way that He calls us to love. And there's plenty left for us, but it's a basket of broken pieces. It's not neat, it's not clean, but it's plenty. We can fast forward to Acts 2. Acts two thirty-seven. Now this is also a book that was written by Luke, and this uh, I think if you after you read this first lesson from the disciples, this little section here begins to take on a, a deeper significance. Now, when they had heard this, Peter has just preached Jesus as the Christ to a bunch of people in Jerusalem. This is at Pentecost. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. It's not 5,000, but it's in the thousands. And so here's the 12 who had been with Jesus at the feeding of the 5,000, who had experienced it. And now 3,000 souls are here. And ready to be cared for, ready to be discipled. What are we going to do? That's an overwhelming number. But they've already been taught what to do. Jesus, that was one of the first lessons he taught them. What do we do? There are thousands here who are in need. Are we to send them away? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They got the they got the lesson. They tapped into the miraculous. These were the twelve that thought that it had to be bread or money, are now tapping into the miraculous. And ministering to these thousands of souls that have been brought to them in need of their care. And they were selling their possessions. They were stripping themselves. Leaving everything at the disposal of the work. And distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I have to believe that in these days, they were reminding each other of that very first lesson. Hey, remember after our first mission and we tried to go on a retreat and all the, there were like 5,000 people that followed us to Bethsaida? That was unbelievable. And then Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Yeah, that was, I thought we were hosed. And then what did he do? He took it and he blessed it. And he broke it and he distributed it. And there was no need. There was no need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And I I have to believe that they were... Uh, reminding each other and kind of, as they were breaking bread, yeah, remember, this is awesome. (laughs) Jesus has provided for us. He has given us everything we need to care for these thousands that are coming in. And so that really struck me this week. Uh, As we go on through the journey in Jerusalem, we're going to see Jesus work with his disciples to try and get them to understand what it really does mean to engage in the work in the way that Jesus does. And they're not going to understand, ultimately. He keeps telling them, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to the cross. If anyone come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and they just, they don't understand it. Chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, they just can't see it. All the way in chapter 18, it says they still don't understand and then Jesus has to lead by example, and finally they get it after he, after he uh, rises from the dead. But what was on my heart tonight, what I, what I wanted us to focus on and kind of open our eyes for in the next coming weeks, is just the theme of discipleship, the way that Jesus brings people in. And he says, don't, don't bring anything I'll give you everything you need. And he actually sets up situations in which his disciples are going to have to turn to God for miraculous provision or else the work is not going to go on. That's an act of grace. And so I want us to hear this tonight, that Jesus often asks us to lay aside earthly resources or solutions so that he can teach us how to draw upon the heavenly stockpiles that we have at our disposal. Jesus doesn't want to make us poor just to make us poor, to kind of beat us down. Jesus wants to take the little staff and backpack and money pouch that we would carry and say, (laughs) no, 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 leave those. Those aren't going to do much good anyway. As you get out there, As you begin to lay down your life, I'll show you where the real riches are, where the real resources are. And they come through prayer. They come through realizing that you don't have what it takes and turning to the Father and say, Father, there's 5,000 people here that need bread. And we have five loaves and two fishes. God loves to see that situation, that heart of faith, and say, there's plenty. Everyone's going to eat. Everyone's going to be satisfied. You each are going to go home with a basket of broken pieces. We end up having plenty to offer those that he calls us to love. If we will, as chapter 11 teaches us, pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't live according to the earthly economy. We have a heavenly economy of grace at our disposal that is far and above what our minds can comprehend. Amen? So, I want us to uh, come to communion tonight and to eat this bread, right? Jesus is still multiplying bread for us and feeding us and sending us home with more than enough. I want us to eat and drink tonight With the full assurance that in Jesus, we have everything we need, not just for ourselves, but we have everything that we need to minister and to bring salvation into the earth, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our places of work, into our classes, into anyone's life that we interact with. Jesus has said, go and preach the gospel and heal the sick. And don't take any of your stuff with you. You're going to get there. You're not going to have what it takes. In that day, call on my name, and I will give you in abundance what you need. Amen? So let's come and partake of the abundance of God. There is no scarcity of this bread. There's no scarcity of this blood. It's not going to run out. It's a renewable resource that we have in the heavenly places. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that um, you didn't send the crowds away. You didn't send us away. But when we sought you out, you welcomed us. And you fed us with more than enough. And we have eaten and we are satisfied, Lord. And so, Lord, as we come to the table tonight, I pray that we would sense uh, the miraculous, generous overflowing power and resource that we have in you as our Father Lord I pray that you would uh, as we come both strip us of all of our self-sufficiency but send us back Lord send us out with a basket full of broken pieces Lord we thank you for these broken pieces here your broken body and your poured out blood. And we ask that you would come and minister your grace to us as we share this meal together with each other, with you by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, come and uh, get enough, get enough for your crew. Sit down in groups of about 50 each. And we'll share a meal with Jesus and we will experience his miraculous provision for us so that we can go out completely satisfied, completely fed and ready to do his work. Amen.